Welcome, everyone. I'm excited to have Jorge Padilla with me today. Jorge is a senior client advisor with Mira Wealth down in Miami. He's been a certified financial planner for 15 years now, and we're going to talk all about retirement planning strategies, both before and during retirement. So, Jorge, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Adam. Looking forward to the conversation. <laughs> I'll jump right into it. So a big part of the retirement planning is obviously tax implications that go along with it in terms of the money that you invest. So can you maybe share a little bit more about the different buckets of money, whether it's taxable, tax deferred, and tax free? Yeah, something very important that sometimes people forget about. They get on an autopilot mode, contributing to one type of account or a tax bucket, and then they end up in retirement with pre-tax money and then realize that they have a huge tax liability along the way as they draw down. So think about three different buckets of taxes, the same way you want to diversify your investments across different asset classes or markets. You should think about diversifying your tax buckets with the different accounts that you have and how you contribute towards them. The most common that typically people contribute to for retirement will be a tax deferred account. So think about the traditional 401k or traditional IRA. This is pre-tax money where you are taking a deduction now for taxes. So you're not getting taxed on the money today. The money grows in the account tax-free. And then when you take the money out in retirement, you're going to pay every single dollar in taxes. So all the money that comes out is going to be taxed at whatever the tax bracket that you have at the time. The other tax bucket for retirement is a tax-free bucket, and this is going to be your Roth account. So think about accounts that you're going to put the money in today without taking a tax deduction. And once the money is in that Roth account, whether it's a Roth 401k or a Roth 403b or just your own Roth IRA, the money is going to grow tax-free forever. And when you take the money out, it's also going to be tax-free. So all those earnings that you've accumulated over multiple decades, it's going to be completely tax-free, which is a huge benefit from that perspective. And then the last one, which is also a very common one, is just your regular investment account outside of any retirement account. So essentially, this is money that you pay taxes already. You're investing it in a regular brokerage account. Any dividends, interest, capital gains that you have along the way, you're going to be taxed at whatever ordinary tax bracket or capital gain tax bracket that you are in every year. So you need to think about an after-tax return that you get on the investments because as they grow, you may increase the tax liability along the way. So another important quirk that you need to think about is when the law says that after you turn age 73, you are required to take distributions out of the traditional retirement accounts. So if you only are contributing towards these pre-tax accounts, what ends up happening is they get a very large 401k or a very large IRA, and they're forced to take these distributions, which essentially you're forced to be in a certain tax bracket that could be even higher than you were used to before, or because you've been trying to save taxes along the way throughout your life. And then by the time that you're distributing out, now you have social security, you may have other things a pension perhaps, and now you have all these distributions coming on a pre-tax manner. So you're kind of 
fourth and a third on tax bracket, maybe higher Medicare premiums and things like that. So at that stage where having the ability to take money out from after-tax money, so regular investment account, or even the tax-free bucket of the Roth IRAs can come really handy. So then it's important to think about how you level out your tax brackets over your different life stages. Perhaps if you have a period of, think about a sabbatical that you're not really working, you may want to do some Roth IRA conversion. So essentially taking money out of the pre-tax account or the traditional IRA and converting it to a Roth so that you're prepaying taxes in a lower rate. And then once the money is in the Roth, it continues to grow tax-free. So important considerations there on how you save for retirement and accumulate the money that you have to make it more effective from a tax point of view. Obviously, the next logical question would be is what order in which you diversify those things? A lot of people talk about financial order of operations is something that people throw around there. So what order do you prioritize things in terms of where does your next dollar go? Does it go into your company 401k? Does it go into an IRA or does it go into broker? So let's assume that you already have your cushion of cash, emergency fund, rainy day fund, however you want to call it. So then I think the first area that we'll look at is do you have some type of retirement plan at work, 401k, 403b, where your company is offering some type of match or contribution to incentivize you to contribute to, towards that. So that's almost like lost money if you don't contribute towards that retirement plan at work. So first place, put that additional dollar towards that retirement plan at work because you want to make sure you get the maximum amount of contribution from your company, whether it's matching or any other type of contribution that they will make. So learn those details first, make sure you maximize that and you do not leave money on the table. From there, I would say in in years where income is not going to be on the highest tax bracket or perhaps earlier in the career for the majority of folks where you may not be at your peak earning years, then next layer thinking about a Roth IRA contribution on your own is going to give you a lot of flexibility on how to invest it. It's always going to be an account under your control. And that will be the next part where I will look into contribute money. There is a limit to that. The limit is it was $5,500 for year 2023 or $7,500 for those over the age of 50. Once that is satisfied, then think about adding more contributions to the company retirement plan. So because that gives you a lot more money to save in a tax advantageous manner. And after having maximized that, that's where I started looking into using a regular investment account or brokerage account to save after tax dollars. I guess the cap on 401ks is 22.5 or something. It's uh, 23,000, 2023 and 30,000 for folks over the age of 50. So ideally, if you can get to that cap, great, but not everybody can. If that's the case, beyond the emergency fund, because obviously you already mentioned that, which is a perfect advice, do you ever stop the 401k before you get to that max that you can contribute and focus just the regular brokerage? Or do you typically 
advise going as much as you can of the 401k just for the tax advantages? Yeah, it's a good question. So in some cases, we do advise clients not to necessarily maximize the 401k contribution beyond the matching amount that they will get in order for them to start building up the investment account just to have that tax diversification, right? So it's typical that, especially throughout life, things happen and changes in your lifestyle or residences may happen. So one thing that may happen in the future is that you may want to move from one home to another and having money in an investment account is just going to give you ability to be flexible arranging to put a down payment, move, or any other investment that may happen because you may not have that much flexibility if you have the money tied up in your company 401k or if you have the money in your own traditional or Roth IRA, you will have to do it through whatever approved investments are in your custodian. And it's going to be a little more complicated to find or to invest elsewhere if you want to buy maybe real estate property or any other investments that may be a little bit non-traditional. Having the investment account built up is just going to give you added flexibility to do those things. In that same line of thinking, in terms of people that are maximizing the company match, like 401ks, company match is great. They make too much to qualify for like a Roth IRA, since there's obviously income limits when it comes to the Roth. Do you, do you like or gravitate more towards maxing out the 401k or looking at more advanced concepts of like a backdoor Roth contribution? We, whenever we have clients that are making too much money to qualify for a direct Roth IRA contribution, uh, we do explore the possibility of doing this backdoor Roth IRA contribution. So the way this works is it truly needs to be when you have no other value or no other assets in a traditional IRA account. Because if you have some, then typically we don't recommend it. It just creates a headache for tax purposes, reporting and everything. So if there are no money in any other traditional IRA account, then doing this backdoor strategy can work really well because essentially when you make the contribution to the traditional IRA, it's non-deductible for tax purposes. You can then afterwards convert it to a Roth IRA without necessarily paying taxes. And all of a sudden you now have contributed to a Roth IRA account and the money can stay there growing tax-free. So for those that can, there are some clients that we have, then we'll help them do this and have them maximize the 401k contributions in a pre-tax manner, and then do these backdoor Roth contributions every year so that they can build up the Roth IRA account. In some cases, we would work with clients to roll over and consolidate some retirement accounts to eliminate the money that is in the traditional IRA by rolling it into your 401k plan at work. Not every 401k plan will allow this, but these days, majority of them do. And then you just need to make sure you have a good 401k provider. Sometimes it's not under the control of the employee, but you know, something to look at. Do they have good investment choices? Are you comfortable with the platform? Can you maneuver, invest the money the way you want? Are the fees reasonable? Because if you have a bad 401k platform, 
maybe you don't want to explore that possibility. Maybe you want to put a lot of money into that 401k that is not going to give you the options that you want or it's going to be very expensive. So you need to think about that additional layer of fees when you are in a 401k plan just because there are other compliance requirements and reporting and things like that. It's just going to be a little more costly than you doing your own thing in your own separate individual IRA. That's a good segue because I was actually wanting to ask you a little bit about your thoughts, especially we're talking mostly early investing accumulation stage. We're not to retirement yet. So are there specific guidelines that you would advise people to do early on in terms of 401k investments? Because you mentioned the options can sometimes be limited. There can sometimes be fees associated with some of the, the funds that are provided. Is there any advice that you give for somebody on the 401k side? These days, it's, it's pretty common for every 401k provider to give you a default investment election that is going to look like some type of asset allocation fund. And most of the times they're referred to as target date funds. Other times they're going to say this is going to be an aggressive allocation. There's going to be a conservative allocation. For those that just don't enjoy following the markets or don't care about doing the research and monitoring what the investments are, trading, rebalancing, et cetera, that's probably the best route to go because in one fund, you're going to have multiple other investments that will rebalance and do these allocations for you just by owning one fund. So it's a very kind of simple one-stop shop solution. And then what you need to worry about is choosing that target date option that represents the type of time frame that you have to invest. So if you still have a decade plus to invest, you can be pretty aggressive with it. So meaning have a heavy equity or stock allocation to help you grow that portfolio over time. If you're thinking that you're going to use the money relatively soon, that's where you may want to use something more conservative. So generally, if you are using a target date option, it will line up with the year in which you're going to retire and will gradually shift to more conservative for you without you having to look into it. So that's probably a good general theme that you have decade plus ahead still working. You may want to try to achieve most growth that you can and ride out the volatility or the ups and downs along the way and keep contributing because if the markets fall, you're adding more money when the shares are going to be less. So you're going to buy more shares. Obviously with a target date fund, it kind of does some of the work for you as you're shifting closer and closer to retirement. But is there any additional advice that you would give as they're getting maybe five to 10 years out before retirement? Yeah, uh, that's where it become more important to have a conversation with a financial planner or an advisor that can help you think about getting ready for that retirement year and where will the money come from? It's somebody who is going to be depending on that 401k money primarily to live on, then it's probably a good idea that within three, four years of retiring to start really reducing the allocation to stock considerably. So you minimize the risk of just retiring after a recession has happened and the market have dropped 20 or 30%, right? You want to minimize that as much as possible. The studies show that having a few bad years or a bad year soon after retiring is the most negative thing that you can have in terms of portfolio longevity. 
So there are many other clients that have other resources available when they retire and they don't need to tap into that 401k money immediately. So in that case, you can still have a more growth oriented allocation because you may have other assets to draw from for those first few years of retirement. So that's where it starts getting more important to think about the where the money comes from, distribution of the account, the tax buckets, and the asset allocation in each of those accounts. So having a conversation with somebody that can help you, a CFP professional probably is going to be worthwhile. It, it almost seems too easy early on in the accumulation stage to just be like, I can just do it myself and I'll just pick a target date fund and you know throw it in the 401k and that's fine. But there's so much more that goes into the financial planning piece that is way beyond just picking investments. It may seem simple, but just the choice of where you're drawing from first can add up to thousands of dollars that will be well more than the advice that you will take. Right. Nobody wants to pay extra taxes. So if we can avoid that yeah. and you're going to pay somebody for some advice that'll save you way more in taxes than what you would pay for the advice, why not? And that gets back to the diversification piece that we already talked about. So we've passed the accumulation stage. We've gone the pre-retirement part. Now that we're in retirement, maybe speak a little bit more about that kind of order of operations where you're pulling money out of certain accounts take advantage of the tax situations about having those different buckets already. Where did that fit in now that you retire? Yeah, it goes back to the that personal situation, right? There are clients that may want to delay claiming Social Security until 70 because they want to increase that benefit that they're going to get for the rest of their life. So they may have some years where their taxable income is going to be minimal because they're delaying that. So perhaps it makes sense taking some money out of the retirement account that is pre-tax on those years and pay less taxes on it, or perhaps doing Roth IRA conversions to make more money available in Roth accounts for the future if you have separate investment accounts with after-tax money to draw from. So most of the times in those years, we will try to optimize for trying to save taxes in the way you take money out. And that's going to be driven by how much money you have in pre-tax accounts, how much money you have in after-tax accounts, how much you have in Roth IRA accounts. So what we're trying to achieve is the, the lowest tax rate possible throughout multiple years. Because once you are in a fixed income, whether it's Social Security or the required distributions out of the IRA, the tax packet for retirees doesn't change a whole lot. So then that's our goal in those early retirement years is how can we minimize the impact of taxes that you draw money from. I think a lot of people forget the tax brackets are set up to where there's a pretty decent chunk there at the bottom where you're not really paying much, if anything, in terms of taxes. So I think everybody sees that top end of, oh, I'm in the 22% tax bracket. That's what I'm going to be paying taxes yeah. on. But there's obviously ways, if you have an expert that goes through that, like yourself, you can obviously minimize the amount of taxes and that you're paying and, would... and take advantage of those tax brackets. I would say even beyond just the federal taxes or the state income taxes for folks that are 65 and older and in Medicare, you need to watch out for where your income level is because it may make the Medicare premiums more expensive in the future. So it's like right. a hidden tax if you are not careful with that. And then Social Security, sometimes people don't realize this, but Social Security has different levels of taxation depending on where your income is. So 
depending on that amount of income that year, you may have 50% of your benefits taxed or 85% of your benefits taxed. And it might be a big difference depending on how you're drawing from which account in those years. Similar to capital gains taxes, if you have after-tax money. So if you are in a low tax bracket, you may not pay capital gain taxes if you have any earnings in your investment account. So those are interesting analysis or levers that you have to think about to optimize how you draw from your account. I really appreciate the information. I know we're running close on time. I did have one client question that I was curious to see what your take on. They had a situation where they have a teenage daughter and just entering the workforce. So just starting working, they wanted to set her up a little bit for a long-term solution for investing. Do you have any specific advice related to that type of option, whether it's a Roth IRA or a 529 plan or as some other type of program? Yeah, especially in the early years of somebody's career, maximizing that Roth IRA is the most beneficial thing. And that can easily be done with gifting money to your daughter or son in that way. And just be mindful of that maximum limit every year. And that's probably the best way you can build the wealth or help your child to build wealth that way. Would the contribution impact their ability to contribute to their own Roth IRA if they do it as a gift? As long as you are gifting less that annual gift exclusion, which right now is $17,000, the parents don't have to worry about any gift tax situation or reporting or anything. Now, if they're gifting the money to the child and that goes into the Roth IRA, that was going to count towards that maximum annual limit that they have. So if it's $6,500 and parents are gifting 6500 to their daughter to make a Roth IRA contribution, that is as if there was a contribution coming from the daughter's money. So essentially it uses up that maximum limit that it's available. The parents will gift the money to the daughter. The daughter then puts the money in her Roth IRA. At what point would you consider like a 529 plan? Because I know that's another alternative. For somebody who's just entered the job market, starting their career, probably the 529 plan would not be something to look into because most of the time it's just going to be money earmarked for any kind of college or graduate school education. So at that stage, they will have already gone through it. It's almost too late in the game to yeah. worry about that at that stage. would recommend doing that, especially with the new provision in the SECURE Act that starts in 2024, where there is some allowance to do a rollover from the 529 plan to Roth IRAs. We will recommend doing that if the child is still a teenager or younger, because that way right. you have some years of leaving that money there to grow on a tax-free basis. This has been great. I appreciate you taking the time. If anybody's interested in getting more information or help from you on their finances, what's the best way to reach out to you and learn more? Yeah, thank you. They can go visit our firm's website, mirawealth.com, and learn about what we do, how we work with clients and contact us. And also they can reach out to me on LinkedIn or find me on Twitter, JRG Padilla. So happy to respond there as well. Perfect. And I'll make sure to put the website address in the description as well. But Samira is M-E-I-R-A. Jorge, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time and educating us a little bit more on the retirement piece. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you for having me, Adam. All right, take care. 